Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? Uh, I'm feeling a lot of the holiday cheer. Um, <laughs> that I'm, can't possibly be true. Well, um, and I, even assuming, like, even taking for granted that this is, we're recording this in the midst of the holidays. Uh, well, we're literally. Pos- I know you, and that's not true. Um, we're, we're posting this right in between Christmas and New Year's. Right. Uh, so I'm assuming that my trip home to St. Louis went very well. Okay. I got all the presents that I wanted. I I saw all the family presents. Most important. <laughs> okay. Um, some some shirts and uh. You know what? Here's what I find presents to be. They're a nice consolation. Because here's the thing. <laughs> like if you're hanging out with family and stuff, and you're just like, this is, this is pretty rough. At least I got this. You know, so it's not, it wasn't a total bust. Like, I may not be taken care of emotionally, but at least my material needs are being taken care of. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I am looking forward to going home. Um, at the time of recording, I'm looking forward to going home. At the time of the episode going up, I'm happy I went home. A- absolutely. Uh, but I'm glad to be back in Los Angeles, which is, well, we'll talk, we have a guest, so we'll, we don't want to spend too long talking about this and other stuff, but, um, like, at what point in your life do you, did, like, home go from being where your parents were to where you live? When I got married. Well, when you got that long, I think it was earlier for me. Yeah. I, I think it was uh, after, I think when, when you and I moved into our second place in Chicago with our roommate Cole, uh, uh, Cole Pesak, who did the uh, chilling theme music that yeah. you heard at the top of the episode, that was when I started to feel like, Chicago is home. You know, it might have been actually earlier. It might have been, frankly, when my mom got remarried, and suddenly, like, home is like where mom and Ed are. Like that's right. uh, so. It's probably a little bit earlier. Than that. that makes sense. So. Okay. Um, so, all right. We talked about the holidays. We talked about home. I did want to tell a story uh, real quick. What uh, is it about, about? It's about you. It's not about earbuds. Oh, real quick. That's a good story too. Let me tell this quick, quick story about earbuds. <laughs> There was this guy, he really wanted some professional quality earbuds mm-hmm. at a low, low price, um, and uh, he w- he went to tweakedaudio.com, which was great, but then he uh, uncovered a portal, right? right? Yeah. This is sort of a, he's sort of like John Smith, like he found the, uh, right. is that his name? The uh, Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith. M- uh, Mormon guy, right? Mormon guy, John yeah. Smith, a different guy. From the Terrence Malick movie. Right. Um, Pocahontas. <laughs> That's the one. Terrence Malick's Pocahontas. Terrence um, Malick's Walt Disney's Pocahontas, yes. <laughs> uh, he uncovered this portal to a new dimension of earbud buying, and it was tweakedaudio.com slash pretension, where you get the same um, professional quality earbuds in, the, in a variety of styles and colors that you find at the regular tweakedaudio.com. Mm-hmm. You add slash pretension to your URL, and you get one third off in free shipping. Now, listeners, if you're paying close attention, there's a moral to this story. Uh, so you got to go back and listen to it again if you didn't get it the first time. Okay, what's the story about me? I'm a okay, narcissist. It's, it's, I want to hear a story about me. Okay, it's, uh, and I apologize in advance. I know that my brother listens to this. This is not about him, but he might be offended by it. Anyway, um, the, uh, you'll, you'll see. So, like, uh, I think a week or two ago, um, Oh, this is a recent story about me. Yes. Jen and I were talking with, with you, and uh, you said, like, are you going home for the holidays? I said, yes. Uh, and you said, when you're going to be gone? I was like, oh, the 24th through the 31st. And you're like, seven days. <laughs> and you're just making that noise. And it's just, and, and you know what? 
we immediately knew what that meant, which uh-huh. was that's a long time to be spending just like with my mom and Ed, and uh-huh. uh, and so it's and th- but that wasn't a reflection. That wasn't you judging my mom or anything like that. You know, just in case my brother gets offended that you're making fun of my mother. Um, oh no, but, yeah, uh, I, I want to make it clear. It's 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 about the thing I was talking about earlier about home. It's about yeah. being away from what I yeah. na- I now consider to be my home. Yeah. It's an all purpose yeah. kind of thing. But Jen just like laughed her ass off in that moment because <laughs> she and I. Had been saying essentially the same thing for like the la- for like the last few days, like oh, this is gonna be fun, unless it really isn't, which is it's about fifty fifty at this point. So anyway, uh, so that was a fun story about you and uh, and uh, the nice shorthand you and I have. <laughs> yeah. So okay, we do have a guest though. Yeah, let's let's, let's hear that story. <laughs> Here's the story of our guest. Well, there actually is a bit of a, a story. Oh, all right. This w- guest was supposed to be on last week for our 300th episode because we have uh, some of our... Uh, it's a tradition every 50 episodes to have two of our favorite guests come mm-hmm. back. So I won't tell you which which <laughs> one replaced replaced her. So you, I don't want you knowing who's more favored than the other. Indeed. Uh, but um, she was unable to make it. Luckily, we were able to uh, find some space in all our schedules to have her on. So we're very, uh, very glad to welcome back Susan Burke. Hello. Thank you for having me again. And thank you for uh, putting up with that five minutes of bullshit. <laughs> no, it's interesting. Episode. Really? What was interesting? Um, oh, I, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> oh, that's no. what I figured. That, the story about the earbuds was really interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's timeless. That's a timeless tale. <laughs> it can, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not just the reason for the season. Right. <laughs> it's the reason for all seasons. <laughs> um, Amanda for all seasons. Um, Susan, uh, how you been? I've been good. Um, I'm a little sniffly because uh, allergies, and you said you were uh, I am in too, the same position. Yeah. We've got a, a box of Kleenex. Oh, I'm sorry, awesome. a box of tissues, facial tissues. <laughs> That's Kleenex brand. No, yeah. I just don't like the... Uh, I don't work for Kleenex. Doesn't pay me to use their name. No, but you know what? They're providing the tissues that you're so enjoying right now, so it's fine. No, they didn't provide them. You bought them. Yeah, they and didn't. I buy Kleenex <laughs> brand tissues. If Kleenex offered us tissues for when we record... Okay. Like gave them to us for free to 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 keep our our uh, our, our nasal passages clear <laughs> while we're recording. I would happily refer to them as Kleenex all the live long day. Okay. But uh, no, I'm gonna stick with uh, as you know. I'm a uh, anyway. I'm gonna stick with face shield tissues. <laughs> Are you gonna say it like that? <laughs> yes. Oh, every good time. God. All right. <laughs> so, all right. Sorry about that, Susan. <laughs> Once again, we've gotten off track. But yes, please partake of Tyler's facial tissues. <laughs> well, now it sounds like you're talking about the tissues of my face. <laughs> Which, don't get me wrong, they're great for your nasal passages, but still. That seems had, unsanitary. Um, <laughs> when I was in like sixth grade, I had sinus surgery. Um, oh, I didn't know that. And the way that it was, you have different, like, I guess, pockets of sinuses in your face there are some that the ones they cleared out in my sinus surgery were like in your forehead area uh-huh. so they went like up through my nose oh I... no this gets worse oh because i had another friend who told me she had sinus surgery on the ones that are like around your cheekbones and they i don't know again i'm not a medical doctor this could be just horseshit maybe she was just trying to freak me out this was back in high school but she said they like slit open where her like underneath her lip and like lifted up her face uh. to get into her sinuses <laughs> and then like sort of back together there and i'm uh it, i think that's one of those things that i've always just assumed was true until just now when i'm saying it out loud when i think like 
That's not, that can't be how your face works. It's not just connected right there. It's not like if you just if you just remove that one layer of connectivity, it's all just loose. Well, the sinuses are like they're they're everywhere. You can't get away from them. And I will I will tell <laughs> okay. a rather unfortunate story at the moment. I have a friend who. Uh, uh, has cancer or got cancer uh, of the sinus specifically, what? and uh, so they oh, had man. to go in and you know they're he's undergoing treatment and all that, but uh, but they had to go in and go out and like take out the primary like tumor and stuff, and they had to take out everything that that tumor touched, and that was everything from his eye <gasps> to his upper jaw, like and so like sinuses, it's just like this. And I'm sorry to bring everybody down. He's doing well, as well as can be mm-hmm. expected. But um, he, uh, I don't know, like, sinuses, it's just this vast network underneath your face. So I'm, right. I would not be surprised at all if that's, in fact, ha- what happened. So like like the, the, the dwarf city under the mountain in Fellowship of the Ring. It that's is exactly kind of like that. Like. How does it work if they take out his eye? Like, do they... To wash it off and put it back, or uh, no? I think it's I think it's out for the long haul. And then does he have another eye? Does he he get... does have another eye. Okay. Yes. Oh so man, I think he's going to be all right. And in fact, you know what? I as of right now, because uh, we haven't been updated in a while, uh, I don't remember totally if the eye has been removed yet, or if it's something they are planning on and wanting to avoid uh, if they can. But yeah, so it's a, it's a rough situation. Oh, that is rough. Sorry. So, uh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to bring it down, but it's just like when you say sinus. You know, and and like sinus surgery is like, oh, like this uh, very depressing thing that happened to them. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's let's get back to something on, yeah. a little more lighthearted, such as I mentioned the Fellowship of the Ring and dwarves, because yeah. uh, I wanted to, uh, to. We were talking before we started recording, and Susan was like, "Oh, this is going up on the thirtieth or so. We could make it sort of a just talk about the you know movies of the year um, and the movies of the season." And I, I, has anyone besides me seen The Hobbit? I've not seen it yet. Because yeah. as of this recording, it's only been out for like two days. Um, I should have taken a deeper breath before that sentence. <laughs> did not, <laughs> did not budget, <laughs> budget my lung space. Um, I, uh, I really, really disliked the the Hobbit, um, and I, I, I mentioned Fellowship of the Ring because like the I got back from seeing it, and like that night threw on Fellowship of the Ring as a way of like reminding myself that yeah. like oh yeah this was good. There was once, once a day. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do you like the Lord of the Rings movies? I love the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah, I've I haven't seen The Hobbit yet, but I keep hearing uh, disappointing yeah. reviews about it. So, and, and it's 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 a couple things. Like I, I understand, I, I knew beforehand that the Hobbit source material is more sort of um, lighthearted, yeah, um, than Lord of the Rings. So I, I went in expecting them. That's fine, but it's the way in which it's lighthearted that bothers me. There's like. It's very low stakes, and the the comic relief is oh, just. I heard about that like a few days before it's released. That there is a a Binks type character, Jar Jar Binks type, yeah. Ca- yeah, yeah. Oh no, yeah. And there's just a lot of like, like there's these trolls, and like they sneeze a lot, so there's like snot, like snot humor, which is gross to me. Kids like uh-huh. that. I mean, I didn't, but kids yeah, like I didn't that. either when I was a kid. <laughs> I thought it was gross. Um. But also, I saw it in 48 frames per second. Yeah. Which I want to. I, I mentioned this in my review of the film. I, I don't know. Are you? I don't know how much you've been following the 48 frames per second thing, Susan. No. So I don't know what it is. Uh, the Hobbit um, was shot. So film is normally shot and projected at 24 frames per second. That's okay. been the standard since not since. I mean, early si- early silent films were uh, yeah, all like, over. Yeah, early 20s or, is is I think when it 
okay. became 24. Um, so it's been industry standard 24, at least in America, 24 frames per second, right? Mm-hmm. And anyway, in general, 24 frames per second. The Hobbit was shot and is meant to be projected uh-huh. at 48 frames per second, twice. So you're seeing twice as much imagery. There's twice as, twice as much information on the screen. Uh-huh. So it's much smoother. Um, and uh, most theaters aren't equipped for this, so you have to do your research and make sure you go to one. I think uh, here in Los Angeles, the AMC Century City uh, and some other ones are uh, projecting at 48 frames per second. But that's how I saw it. And... Uh, it does look smooth, but in a way that is not welcome to me. Right. It looks it looks less cinematic. It looks like. Uh, do you know how? Uh, do you well, watch is, Thirty Rock? Uh-huh. Yeah, you, do, oh, yeah. do you know how when they do the live episodes, they make jokes about how it looks like a soap opera? Yeah, yeah. It's that sort of look. Like it just looks stage. It, it looks like people in costumes and makeup. Well, and there's a reason. And by the way, I, I don't totally recall. Like the minute I said it, it started bothering me. I'm not 100 percent sure when. 24 frames a second became the industry standard. Like, I know that they started, uh, to- like, toying with that, but along with ev- a lot of other frame, rate, frame rates. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought it was the 20s, but it might be later. Anyway, um, but the reason they, that they landed on 24 and that was kind of the standard is because that is, like, everyday life is basically 24 frames a second. Oh, I like, don't know if that's true. I don't know that I agree with that. Uh, I mean, maybe you're right, but that's... Like I, as far as like for example like motion blur and stuff like that like your eye can only pick up on things so quickly and they uh, so what I heard is like the forty eight well, frames true, per second. Well, if that were true, then why would forty eight frames per second look any different? If the best that we can see is twenty four frames per second, then it would look the same because that's the best we can see. I guess so. I don't know. So Maybe I think it's... I think our our visual visual capacity must be must be higher than twenty four frames per second. So maybe you're saying maybe our eyes are getting lazy. And maybe Peter Jackson's trying to give him a little little exercise. Maybe that's what it is. But I want to, like I said I w- in my review, I want to hedge my bets because um, maybe if I liked the movie, I might be more into the 48 frames per second. It does, uh, my girlfriend is one of the those people who gets headaches at 3D movies pretty much uh-huh. consistently. And she said it's it was much smoother here. She got, she got no headache. Hmm. And I've heard that. Huh. I think uh, Doug Benson on his podcast said the same thing. Because he's, he's also kind of anti 3D, and that so it does apparently make the 3D and the 3D looked great. Um, I w- I'm very interested to see Avatar two in for because that will also be high frame rate. I'm not sure if it's 48 or it might even be 60 frames per second. Um, wow. uh, but I think that the look of Avatar, like that's the why that's why like motion capture and stuff I think works so well in Avatar because James Cameron made everything even the more like the true live action stuff look kind of fakey you know yeah, yeah. It, it all looks like it's uh, anyway and the dialogue <laughs> yeah, yeah the dialogue, very false uh um so i'm wondering if uh I'm, I'm hoping that avatar 2 will be a better case for high frame rate but uh well the first like the first one to do it is always going to be a little like controversial um i think and just because people now like they go in naturally suspicious i think um and i've heard a lot of bad things about it except for in the case of 3d but uh and so i don't know i think people go in looking to be like okay what's and it's like well it's just different now now i personally think like when you're doing something with makeup and special effects and that sort of thing maybe you should be a little bit more careful about how clear you want it to look (laughs) but uh but yeah it's 
If you can do it well, then do it. Yeah, it's that, like that's, that's how I feel about 3D, and we'll get to a 3D movie I saw the, recently. The camera's like panning through like back end, and it's like, oh, is this a documentary about a Renaissance fair? <laughs> <laughs> okay, David, we've been talking for a while about The Hobbit. Uh-huh. Susan, what have you seen lately? Um, I, I think everything except for The Hobbit. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, because I have screeners for most movies, so yeah. um, so I lucky enough to have seen almost everything except for The Hobbit and Django Unchained, um, oh, yeah, which I'll see either. that on Christmas. So by the time this airs, I've, <laughs> I've seen it, but I no. don't know what my opinion of Maybe it Maybe I is. can talk my family into going to see Django Unchained. No, no, this is what I'm saying. If I see The Hobbit, it will be because I got to get out of the house. Yeah. All right. Uh-huh. And Django Unchained, it's a guarantee. Jen and I will go see it. And it's, you know... If I if my mom says, What are you guys gonna go see? It's like, oh, we're gonna go see Django Unchained, the Quentin Tarantino movie. She's like, All right, enjoy. Yeah. Uh. And that's how what that's what it'll be. I don't mean to imply that I don't enjoy my mom's company. I do quite a bit, but okay. uh, but at the same time, like Les Miserables, she'll want to go to see that one. Have you watched so. Les Miserables? No, actually I haven't seen that either. I have um, that screener at home. Do you? But I, th- I haven't watched I think it. it I think I have to go to UPS to pick it up because uh. something came yesterday and I missed it. <laughs> um well, I wanna see. Here's that, your though. chance to burn some bridges. What did you think of all these movies? You know, um, there's been some really good movies this year. Um, I'm not super fond of um, uh, This is 40, I don't think. I did not think that either. Or, let me think. I I think that, you know, I like most of the movies I've seen, but a lot lot of the sort of comedy, um, like grown-up comedies this year, I have not been a fan of. There's like Friends with Kids and Celeste and Jesse Forever are I, both movies that I'm not. I didn't not. see Friends with Kids. I agree with you on Celeste and Jesse. I also didn't like Your Sister's Sister, which I think a lot of people like. I haven't seen that one yet, but I, I don't know. There's just something, and yeah, this is like Burning Bridges. These are all the people that I might potentially work <laughs> with someday that I would love to work with on projects, but there's just a lot of like uh, rich white people with very superficial problems yeah. in movies lately. Oh, talk and, about This is 40. Like. And this, it just... it. It's like, how how long have you been rich where, you know, the problems of, like, we might have to sell our mansion. Right, yeah. Like, but, but we have the option of selling our mansion for money. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And they get in an argument, and she's like, cancel your birthday party. I don't want people over here. And he's like, I've already paid the caterer and done all this. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. And that, like, that, you're supposed to be having money problems. Yeah, I'm, I'm planning a, a wedding right now. And the, the birthday, my wedding, not a wedding, but I'm, I'm planning my wedding. Uh, and the birthday party in Congrats, that movie, oh, thank you very much, Like, is that's way, way <laughs> nicer than my wedding's going to be. <laughs> you know, like it's just like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like just amazing food and linens and live music and yeah. just like for a birthday party seems. Oh, and um, also let me keep on railing on this. This is 40 and the money stuff because they also go on a like lavish weekend trip down to, I'm not sure where it's supposed to be. Oh yeah. And Johnny Pemberton is in that scene. Johnny Pemberton is in that, but like, you know, they're ordering all this room service and like, that's insane. Um, at the end of the movie, Albert Brooks asks her for money for a cab, and she's like, I only have a hundred. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, not money related. They make it clear there's like stockings on the on the wall. They say like the name, like that uh, Leslie Man's birthday is December 5th or whatever. Uh-huh. They make it clear it's December. Yeah. 
Now, I know it doesn't get as cold here in Los Angeles as other places. <laughs> right. You don't have a pool party in December. No, you like, don't. If people could is see, it it's heated, like 53 degrees. Is it a heated degree. pool? No, no. Okay. Like, Megan Fox is, you know, walking around, like, in, you know, she's throwing, like, a soaking wet shirt over her bikini. And it's like, you would be freezing. Yeah, you'd be freezing. Well, it, that whole, her character, too, of course, like, she, she's, a, she's a super hot girl with money. Uh, where did she get her money? She must steal it. Like, no, she doesn't steal it. The only other option is she's a prostitute, of course, because <laughs> yeah. she's a super hot girl with money. That's that's how she got it. And yeah. they just, oh, it's so insulting. How could really attractive women get money? <laughs> uh, there's only one, there's only two ways: stealing or being a prostitute. And she has. There's a scene where they're watching um, what's going on in the store, and she's having sex in the store that the uh, that the woman owns and she's just like at least she's getting some it's not like hey you can't have sex in the store like that's horrible what if customers walk in yeah. like, it's so frustrating to hear because when I heard about I'm a, I'm a big fan of like any movie that chooses to address some of the more difficult aspects of like everyday life like yeah. marriage like yeah. not every marriage is just you know it's not all going to be the squid and the whale which is or revolutionary road where it's just just pure hell all the time nor is it going to be you know donna reed or whatever right. and so like so i like that anything that it addresses that it is it takes a great deal of work it's one of the reasons i love take shelter and so um although that there are some extenuating circumstances in that as well but um and when i heard this is 40 uh, about this is 40 it's like Okay, it's Judd Apatow, and it's these characters that I know from another film, and it's they have a nice dynamic between the two of them, and it deals with getting older and dealing with just the just basic problems. And having not seen the film, as as listeners know, I I don't necessarily mind showing like domestic and emotional problems of people that have money because I like the idea. It's like, well, money clearly does not solve right. this, mm-hmm. but at the same time, uh, you do need to make these characters somewhat relatable and yes if yeah. somebody was watching someone have sex in their store they would not say well hey at least it's just like yeah. no 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 people don't act like that yeah. and I don't know it's just let me make a couple other points because I really dislike this movie and okay. it's all sort of alright it's like three and a half hours long or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> two hours and fifteen minutes you could have lost Megan Fox's character and Chris O'Dowd's character completely completely and yeah. not even felt it no. It's and also you mentioned the, that it's a sort of sequel to Knocked Up it's, yeah but it they don't like, I'm not sure if Jason Siegel and Charlene Yee are supposed to be playing the same characters. They have the same character names. Okay, so but but they don't seem like the same characters. Right, no. Um, there's, uh, I guess this is a spoiler, but there's no Seth Rogen or uh, uh, Catherine Heigl right. in Seems the movie. Seems like an oversight, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's a reference to him. Like, he ha- has some uh, pot cookies that he got from Ben. Is that Seth Rogen's character's name? Right. It's been a while since I've seen Knocked Up, which I like a lot. Yeah, I like that movie, too. Uh, but it's conspicuous their absence is conspicuous because again all right remind me in knocked up Catherine heigl and leslie mann are sisters they're sisters yes. yeah so all this stuff there's so much stuff about their dad mm-hmm. how is that not how is she not even mentioned her sister and also yeah in in uh knocked up um Catherine heigl's mom is played by joanna kearns who was the mom on growing pains right. but like i really like that actress so i was like yeah. oh that's so cool that yeah. that she's in this bit part you know and and she does a, a great job in the like one scene and then john lithgow who's also amazing plays their dad but there's no mention of the mother like or yeah. the sister so that just seemed like it's I, the problem that I have with that movie too is like, are you going to be like silly slapstick comedy, or are you going to be like a serious drama? Y- you can. I think that 
there can be dramas with a lot of elements of comedy in them, but there has to be some basis in reality if yeah. it's going to be a drama. And if you're going to just be a silly comedy, then don't put in a bunch of like emotional yeah. stuff. You yeah. know, like I think for for me, like the the sort of the gold standard for this sort of thing is a movie that uh, David hates with a passion. <laughs> is, uh, of course, I'm being hyperbolic. Is uh, Sideways. Um, oh, I, I, I know. I, I, I like Sideways. I know. I just don't love it. <laughs> And that is the same as hating it. Um, but just like, you know, there's some real life going right. on and there's a real dynamic between these characters. But there's also some hijinks going on. Yeah. And uh, and oddly enough, it, like if I were to just like look at that on the page that Thomas Hayden Church's, char- Church's character is like running around like naked and had to run through an ostrich farm and like <laughs> they have to go get his wallet from MC Ganey and stuff. Like, <laughs> I forgot like if that I, was MC Ganey. Yeah. Like if I read that in a script, I'd be like, this does not fit. And yet somehow they made it fit. But I do think that, you know, Alexander Payne is a better director than than Jeff. Yeah, he's, he's I mean, good at that. Like think about George Clooney running down the street in flip-flops yeah. from oh, Dennis last year. It is like slapsticky. Yeah. And, After and learning, very, by the way, a, a, a an emotionally devastating fact. Yeah, from uh, Rob Hubel? Is that yeah, true? I that is so. from, yeah, And, I mean, that's a great... The Descendants is a great example of a movie, and so is Sideways, of people that do have, you know, money, but still have, like, problems. Yeah. And how, yeah, like... I mean, The Descendants, I thought that was my favorite movie of last year, hands down. Yeah. And, you know, it really displays, like... And right in the very beginning, it's saying, like, we live in Hawaii, people in Hawaii still have cancer, people in Hawaii still have problems, mm-hmm. even though we live in paradise, you know? And, like, and it's completely relatable, as mm-hmm. as a person without a whole bunch of money, I mm-hmm. cried a lot at the problems. <laughs> I wasn't like, yeah, but they have money, I don't care. Yeah, you know? yeah. But with This is 40, it's like, and, and that the, so many other problems are based in money and that yeah. they have so much money. It's just so... But it, yeah, it, it works there. Well, let me ask, let sense, me, yeah. let me ask you guys this because uh, I saw Knocked Up, you know, I guess five years ago now and I thought it was pretty good. Uh, not great. I wanted to like it a lot more than I did. Um, Leslie Mann is kind of a not a villain, but I don't like her in that movie. Mm-mm. I find her very judgmental, and and while I think she is, for I, lack of a better term, uh, not redeemed because she's not that bad. Um, but uh, I think I'm going to disagree. She, with she's you. very she's sympathetic in the film, but like there's little things that, like when she's trying to uh, talk her sister out of Seth Rogen, like she doesn't merely say, "Well, he doesn't have a job." She says stuff like, "He's fat," and incidentally. No, he's not. Because if he's if he is, then I'm a big fat asshole and I hate myself. <laughs> anyway, but that's neither here nor there. No, let, me, so, let me real quick. Okay. Because um, I've I've never quite agreed with that um, characterization of her. Because a lot of people say that, um, and I think the movie does a good enough job at showing how um, Paul Rudd's characters' completely immature way of dealing with his marital problems right. have driven her to a place of deep bitterness. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, so I think, yeah, she comes across very acerbic and um, and and mean. But I think the movie does. There's enough in there to explain why and to make it sympathetic. I like her character. I, I think I, her I, character, actually I like her as an actress. I think her character is realistic. Don't get me wrong. And I think I think it fits. And I do. What I like about their relationship in that film is it's almost like a chicken and the egg kind of thing. Like which one came first? And you realize that the two are feeding into each other. He becomes more mature as a way of, and tries to kind of remove himself from her as she gets more like, I don't know. What what, what was your word like acerbic and just and kind of and a little cutting at times. Yeah. Like. Uh, 
he does that, but then of course that is only going to make her more this. Yeah. And so which one started and then you realize it doesn't really matter at this point. One of them has to take the step to, to end it. And so I like yeah. that quite a bit, but at the same time I'm not sure I want to spend a whole movie with these people. But also also that that their plot in Knocked Up is a better movie about a relationship than all of this is 40. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I I like both actors. Um I mean I really I really like Paul Rudd a lot, but I just don't see I don't think that those characters are dynamic enough to to you know like be the center of a movie, especially a movie that is, you know, years long. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I mean I think that you know that the dynamic between the two of them as side characters is great, but they're not. It's not that interesting. They're just not that interesting of characters. Yes. Yeah, it does feel like like their story is relatively complete by the end of Knocked Up. Like yeah. it was a very it was very interesting. Um, and I, and you know I haven't seen This Is Forty, uh, and so part of me was like, oh, didn't we get? When I first heard about, it, I'm like, didn't we get enough of these characters? Like, I, you know what? There's a lot more places they can go, but apparently they don't go there. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I want to talk about uh, Paul Rudd real quick because I want to like him too. As a, um, I mean, as a fellow Missourian, um, he's from the <laughs> Kansas City area, uh, and I do like him when he's good. But it's like it's, uh, I feel like I've kind of, I, I don't know if he's repeating himself or maybe I just like, I don't know. I feel bad saying it is like a human person but i kind of feel like i'm over it or i've like had enough i mean i i feel like that that in a lot of roles he plays he is just kind of the boring normal guy who's like you know like pretty attractive for a guy in a comedy you know which like that's fine i'm fine with that but then um that movie our idiot brother which i'm not a huge fan of that movie but i thought his character was really funny and like he's really charming and endearing as a lead in that movie and like he's someone that I just I you know if if I could cast anyone in the world as a lead in the movie like I would not cast him but 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 he's great as the lead in that movie so I think he's you know he should do more character stuff and less just like the normal sort of straight man which he plays a yeah. lot in well in crazy comedies you know what I think he is good at that is like that's it's mentioned in this is 40 where he says when they're like high on their vacation and he says and she calls him a dick he's like i am a dick everyone thinks i'm really nice but i'm actually a dick <laughs> i think he's really good at playing that character yeah. and i pointed uh role models which is one of oh, my yeah. favorite roles oh of yeah his. I, yeah because that's that exactly what great. he is he seems like the mild-mannered like nice uh, nerdy guy but he's actually just really angry and mean <laughs> yeah uh, to people I, I i love that movie i think he's i think he's a uh, an actor who I, I never know how much to how much to blame an actor for getting sort of hemmed in a little bit by by Hollywood because Hollywood is always looking to just be like that's you I've got yeah. it. you're the nice guy kind of a dick uh, sort of generically attractive uh, but has a you have a nice charming humorous sensibility that's going to be you and so like and I never know like how much an actor is able to break out of that if they want to right, right. Um, and so. You know, you see, like, I thought he was very, I like him in everything. I think he's very good in everything. Um, but it is one of those things where it's just like, he does kind of just fall into playing the same thing. Is that his fault or is it just, well, hey, what, am I going to turn down the lead in I Love You, Man? Right, it looks right. First off, it looks like it was a lot of fun to shoot. And yeah, I get paid and I'm the leading man <laughs> uh-huh. now, you know. And so it's, uh, so I never... It, when I was younger, I think I used to say like, it's like, ah, oh, that actor is not challenging themselves. And there is an aspect of, 
turning something down, even though that the prospect of that might be scary. But also, it's just like when Holly, you and I talk about this with Eric Bana. When Hollywood says, "This is what you're going to be," I know this is what you were. But mm-hmm. This is what you are now. Like it's hard to break out of that if you want to. Yeah, I really want. Yeah. I, I still haven't seen Funny People. Speaking of Judd Apatow and Eric Bana, mm-hmm. but have you, did you see Funny People? Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> you're not a fan. Not a fan. Also, the m- most unrealistic depiction of of stand up comedy uh. ever. But that's a movie that has about three movies in it, and one of the movies, which is the the movie that's going on about Seth Rogen as a as a comedian starting out, and like his roommate is played by Jason Schwartzman, who's like a sitcom star and stuff like that. I like that that movie. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, that story, even though it's, you know, still like they're much further ahead than they really would be in uh-huh. that situation and stuff. But yeah. like, um, but I like that movie. And then the whole, whoa, Sorry. <laughs> it goes your answer there, machine. there's the answer machine. But is, um, uh, it, I mean, when I first knew who Eric Banner was, it was in Chopper, which is, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, the Australian movie Chopper. No, I've He's, seen it. I mean, it's a violent, like, movie about a real life like criminal who's uh, some someone who's i guess apparently rather famous in, in australia but it's also really really funny and he was a he's a comedian he, he started as a comedian yeah yeah and i feel and then so the thing that tyler was referencing about how eric Bana being sort of pigeonholed is that his american roles like don't seem to they don't seem to want him to be funny no and I, that's why I, that's the only thing i'm interested in funny people for and to see he's, if he's funny. no he plays like the new husband of like Adam Sandler's one that got away, who's played by Leslie Mann. Um, so no, I mean his role is is pretty insignificant, and it's part of a whole like plot point that is just boring uh-huh. and pointless. And he's and he's not funny in it at all. He doesn't play a funny character. He plays just. Well, a- let's. Um, I want to double back. Talked about uh, the stand up thing you were talking about. Did you see Sleepwalk with me? I did. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. Um, I didn't love the movie. I've never been really into the Mike Birbiglia thing. But did you like that uh, depiction Dep- of, oh, of stand-up? Yeah, I mean, that seemed like a, a totally realistic depiction of stand-up. I it's, mean, it's one of the parts of the movie I really did like. Yeah, I really... And, and you know, I mean, Mike Birbiglia would know that. And that it was great that they featured some some great real stand-up comedians, too. You know, like Wyatt Senek was in it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and yeah, it felt very real. Like I don't know what it's like to be a, a road comic because I haven't done that that much. But I think it really, you know, does a really good job of showing what that's like. And did you see it? Tyler? No, but I hear that movie Punchline is pretty accurate. That's <laughs> <laughs> very accurate. Yeah. Um, real quick about Sleepwalk with Me. I'm always uh, uh, looking when I see a PG-13 movie. I'm always very interested in how and where and when they decide to use the one fuck. Oh, right. You, know? you can have two, by the way. Well, American President has three, is yeah. the point I always make. I think if you, I don't know, depends on I've, how big it is. Well, what I've but, heard is I think like you can have more provided the term is not associated with the act. Yeah, right, the right. context So like if someone says, you know, what the fuck or something like that. Well, this one has, as much as I didn't like the movie overall, but Sleepwalk With Me has one of my favorite uh, only uses of the word fuck which uh, people who've seen it know that and you'll know the scene when he's finally he stands up to the guy at the comedy club and he's like I'm not paying for these fucking chicken fingers. oh yeah yeah that's really funny <laughs> it's a, yeah, I, I, really, I really like that scene alright what else have you seen what other screeners do you have at home um, The Master uh, which, oh, yeah, that's my that. favorite movie of the year I think mine is by, by I, I, I know that from following you on Twitter oh You're yeah, very yeah. I'm that. very vocal about how <laughs> I feel like it's been you know shunned for a lot of awards um, and I, I mean I just feel like every, that should win every award that is that is available this year like I just think that it, I think it's 
it's the, it's it's just edgy and strange enough that because I think there was stuff in in There Will Be Blood that that the Academy, for example, mm. and who knows the nominations haven't come out yet. Who knows what'll happen? Right. But I guess just the the voting block. Uh, that they could kind of get behind. It's like this character is kind of outlandish, but he's it's Daniel. Day. First off, it's Daniel Day Lewis, yeah. who's like a proven actor, and he uh, and he's really getting into this John Huston type performance. And then it's there's an epic quality to it. It's like they could really get behind it. Whereas this one, like it, I mean, it's I love the movie. It is hard to get behind Joaquin Phoenix's character. I love his performance, but it's not the kind of performance that says pretty good performance huh? it's more the performance is like fuck you you want to like me i'm gonna make it as hard as possible for you to do that uh and so but i so i'm actually kind of happy that it's getting what it is i really expected them to just to, for it to just be shut out completely right right you know um and the thing the three things that i i thought like okay well actor supporting supporting like those are the three things that it'll get a lot of support mm-hmm. for um who knows what'll happen with like the director's guild noms i don't think it there's with the Oscars, there might be a Best Picture nomination right. in there because they, you know, expanded it. But, yeah. uh, but who knows? And so I'm not surprised because it's it's not the most ex- most accessible film. But you know, as long as we're still, uh, even we were talking about comedy, one of the things I like so much about Paul Thomas Anderson is that he makes these, especially with these last two, these big, weird, serious art films, but that are both hilarious. Hilarious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Master is so funny. It's the, uh, so funny. When and he's watching him on the binoculars drive away, and he's like, he's going very fast. <laughs> Good boy. It's, <laughs> it's so great to, to hear you say that, because that's one thing that I've been saying to people. I'm like, it's so funny, right? Uh-huh. And like a lot of people have been like, no, it's not funny at all. It's just so sad and uh. dark. And like, it is it is very dark, but man, it's, it's super funny. Oh, and yeah, I laughed a lot. Yeah, and the laughs are really well earned and throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, same with There Will Be Blood. There's yeah. just so many hilarious moments in that. And um, man, I, I think a lot of a lot of the reviews that I've read that are negative, like even Roger Ebert didn't give it a a, a very good review, which I was really surprised because I you know I think that he's normally a, a pretty reliable critic, mm-hmm. but he talked about how it wasn't so much about L. Ron Hubbard and Scientology, and it was like, well, yeah, if you want an expose, if you want a biopic yeah. about Scientology, yeah. that's not it. This is a much bigger story about like you know male relationships and like Mm -hmm. you know sort of that servant master thing and uh, i think that's a much more interesting story than an expose about scientology yeah like it's it's one of those things where you can mine a lot of great material out of like l ron hubbard Mm -hmm. and just end the idea of like and getting specific about that and maybe just changing the name or something like that but using using that as almost a hook and an entry point to to examine something Smaller yet bigger, mm-hmm. um, but uh, invariably deeper is like because I had to re I had to reconfigure my thinking. I saw it, you know, I saw I think a, a midnight show of it, um, uh, and so I had not seen a lot of reviews beforehand. So I just went in with really just my own yeah. expectations, and so I went in and it was just like, okay, not a whole lot of how this thing is structured, but there's there is some uh-huh. certainly. Uh, it's like it's mostly about these two guys, and this guy is whew, hard to get a hold of, and you know, and just <laughs> I like and, the idea that this is your actual inner monologue when oh, you watch movies. <laughs> Sometimes it is. It usually, usually the inner monologue goes away after about twenty minutes, and but then like, then I just accept accept. Uh, it but as I like it that is. you're like whenever sort of uh, Guy Pierce is starting a new memory in Memento. You're like, <laughs> okay, okay, what's going on? Yeah, what, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, 
you know, and it's frustrating. I, I do try to, because when I was younger, I used to, people would be like, oh, can't, can't you just enjoy movies? Or are you always kind of holding yourself back from them? And, and for a long time, I would say, like, no, I can, I can just let myself go. But, like, as I get a little bit older, I, that, that has to be an active choice on my yeah. part. Like, that's, I that's saw the, Life of Pi yesterday. Engaging the fa- is the enjoyment to me. No, that, absolutely. Wait, when you say engaging, what do you mean? Like, actively like, thinking about what's going on, doing the Guy Pierce thing. Okay, well, that's part of the fun. No, no, it's no, like a that, puzzle. That's, that's like assessing the, the story and the characters and what's happening, as opposed to, like, yesterday I saw Life of Pi, and within the first, like, 10 or 15 minutes, I was just like, this is a good use of 3D. And it's like, I don't want to have that thought. I want to have that thought afterwards. Right. And thankfully, uh-huh. I, I, after a while, I lost myself and could just enjoy the story. And not to imply that if you're not, not to imply that if you're thinking about it, you're not enjoying it. But like, I want to allow myself to get lost in it and think about it later. Right. But that's. Have me. you seen Life of Pi? I have seen Life of Pi. Did you like it? I loved it. I I liked it. Um, I didn't I didn't love it, but it was it was really enjoyable. I mean, I it there wasn't like anything that I hated about it. I it was just very it, like that felt a little bit too long for me oh. and. The, I, I like the whole like you know kind of parable that it tells, mm-hmm. um, and I thought I mean I liked that it was like a very positive movie, but um, I don't know I just wasn't it didn't it didn't take me away. I I, I loved a lot of it, um, and then I even liked the framing device, but mm-hmm. um, but when you love all this other stuff, than anything that takes you away from that for something you merely like. And I understand the, the importance of it, but like, especially the way they really like, and I know you, you love the movie through and through. And I like, think I, I understand complaints about the framing device, but for me, Irfan Khan is like top five working actors today. So he I is, love him. I he thought is he was as great. watchable as, as 3D spectacle. To yeah, me. yeah, no question about it. I thought he was, he was great. But like the little thing at the end, and I won't say what it was, mm-hmm. but like where they actually, where the guy he's talking to, who's not as good an actor, but um, the guy he's talking to the interview from Prometheus is that him he's one of the uh, oh, I think he he's like the uh, biologist or something that's right I thought I didn't like him <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah when he's like when he's going through like point for point saying what everything in the parable means and she's like let me do some of that I, I yeah, can do this it's I fine I didn't think that was necessary I, yeah. I, I do I do completely agree with that um, and apparently I, I I think on slash film the slash filmcast review, someone who'd actually read the book, which I haven't said that that exists in the book too, like pointing oh, out really? the metaphor. Oh, that's um, fine. You can, you can. That doesn't the, mean you doesn't can't take that out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, have you seen the comedy? Yes, I saw that at Sundance. So great, I thought. I, you know what, I did not. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, a lot of people I saw. Uh, Matt, my fiance, like loved it. Um, and I, you know, I had I had read up on it. It was the the movie at Sundance that I was most excited to see, uh-huh. and I saw it right after Safety Not Guaranteed, which is so like good and like yeah, I've got that screener at home I, too. I oh, it's really it. good. Like, and it's very positive and like just kind of a movie that everybody can. Uh-huh. It reminded me a lot of like Goonies or you know just movies that for people of all ages, you know. And then the comedy is just so hardcore and negative and yeah. ugly. Yeah. That perhaps if I would have seen it at a different time and been a little bit more prepared, I would have liked it. But and and I like. I mean, I thought it was funny that at Sundance, like people were walking out of it and like you know, because that's it is sort of holding up a mirror to that type of person, like just an extremely you know, 
rich entitled person that can you mean to do tell whatever. Me that something associated with Tim Heidecker is ugly, <laughs> and gross, and yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> and oh I, my god! And I'm a big fan of of Tim and Eric, like, uh, you know, and 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 of him and of uh, Rick Alverston, like his music and stuff. Like, I mean, he, I think that they're both genius people. I think Rick Alverston is has done something amazing with this film. But do I like it? No. Do I do I appreciate it for what it is? Yes. You know. But it wasn't. I didn't. You know. It made me feel really sad and empty after seeing it. <laughs> I, 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 I'm trying to think the circumstances. Uh, well, here are the circumstances of my having seen it. Um, I went to a screening right after or after getting off my day job, uh-huh. um, and it was a screening. Now at this point, this was like early November. It had been. I think it had been on demand. It had been at a lot of festivals. A lot of people had seen it, I guess, because I was the only person at the press screening of the movie. Oh, really? And so, um, wow. I I didn't I didn't have anyone's reaction but my own because I I found myself laughing like out loud at stuff that I think other people. Um, and I'm almost I'm not ashamed, but I know it's it's stuff that's really mean spirited. Yeah. That I'm I'm laughing without endorsing it. But I wonder if, like, I would have been felt so free to laugh at them, like, being horrible to cab drivers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I had, you know, worried about being judged, you know? I don't want people to think that I am endorsing picking on cab drivers. It's just that they're doing funny stuff within it, and it's funny what assholes they are. I I don't know. It's weird, because I saw it with, you know, at a huge auditorium, and I saw it, you know, with, with four people that all were like, oh, that was amazing, that was just so great and i was the one person that was like eh, i don't i didn't like it like uh, and i didn't and you know they laughed there wasn't a lot of laughter in the theater but right. like you know matt was laughing a lot james was was laughing but i don't know it just it was too it was i guess too dark for me even though i mean i loved killer joe which is one of the oh, darkest movies it. of the year but did you see him yeah. it's uh, good yeah i want to see it and i mean yeah, I think this has been the year of Matthew McConaughey amazing performances. But well, um, back to the comedy, like and his performance in Bernie. Oh, Bernie! That's my favorite comedy of the year for sure. I do. I yeah. Uh, is it is it mine? I guess so. Yeah, compliance isn't that funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I've not seen Magic Mike. I haven't seen Killer Joe. I thought he was fine in Bernie, but it was one of those things where it's just like, oh, he's yeah, he's good, you know. <laughs> but then I, I I thought he was really, good in Bernie, but I felt like. Um, that that character didn't quite fit. Like everything else in Bernie seems more realistic, and he seemed a bit more of a caricature. And I know, I don't know. I, I think that might be a function of the performance, though. Like if you'd you had like a more, I think, yeah. a, if you'd cast, frankly, I think a smaller actor uh, or a lesser like known actor, shorter? It, right? Yeah, like a Danny, Danny DeVito. DeVito. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I liked him in, in Bernie, but I I was. I was so impressed with Jack Black's performance, and yeah, he's he's amazing. I really do hope that it's, uh, and we said this in our video review of it, but uh, I hope that that's like a career changer for him I because. So too. But I I feel like I I I feel like it almost won't be because it's if you look at it, I would venture to say the wrong way, mm-hmm. you could see it's still him being kind of goofy. Yeah, and it's just like oh, but it's so specifically goofy and so loving of the character he's playing, and just like oh, it, it's. You just want to hug him, even when he's a monster. I know. <laughs> it's so... I mean, and it is... 
it's so good to see him doing something you know different from his tenacious d character which he's done that like in so many movies and i i really like jack black a lot i really like that character that he always plays but i think that that character is worn out it's welcome and to see him doing essentially the same thing like he's you know singing songs and like doing that with a lot of comedy behind it and you know playing this uh you know guy that that comes off like really likable but isn't a good guy you know which i think he kind of usually does except for like school of rock where he is like a good guy um but it's so different from what he normally does and it's so understated and he's always so big so it's so good to see him do something small and of course, one of the biggest laughs of the year is uh, the smash cut to '76 trombones. I won't say what precedes it, but it's such a, it's such a delightful. And there's a lot of stuff in in that movie that where I found myself because I went to see the movie alone, and uh, it takes a lot for me to laugh out loud when I'm alone. I don't uh-huh. know what that is, but uh, but I laughed out loud many times uh, watching that movie. So if li- and it's available on uh, Netflix, on, yeah. Watch Instant. So if oh. listeners have not seen it, they they should seek it out certainly. Um, I like how we've sort of developed. We said we didn't have a topic, but we seem to be talking about 2012 in comedy. Like it seems to keep not necessarily uh, yeah. comedies, but we keep talking about com- comedy in 2012 films. So I think that's what I'm going to put as the uh, <laughs> as the topic in the description. Oh, good. All right. Um, and st- and sticking with that, um, Susan, did you see Paranorman? No, I it's haven't seen still it in yet. my in my top ten of the year. So if I have there's some stuff I haven't seen, so I could boot it out, but. It's great. That's that's one I, I still need to see. Did you see it yet? I did see it, and I really, I really, really enjoyed it. I'm not sure if I'd say I loved it. Um, I'm not sure what it was. Like, watching it, I I liked every moment of it, but there was just, one, like, there was something holding me back from just really embracing it. And I think maybe it was the, it's high stakes and yet low stakes at the same time. Um, but then, ultimately, thematically, I love it. I think it's amazing. There's going to be a more than one lesson episode about it at some point. Oh, cool. um, and uh, and I think it's a I think it's a I can't believe I'm saying this. I think it's a message that's very important for kids. Uh-huh. Um, I think so too. Just that idea, especially these days when you you know when you hear about like you hear about bullying and you hear about anti-bullying, mm. but some of the sentiment seems to be take it to the bullies and just start bullying them. And it's like, uh, well, hang on now. Like, <laughs> right. That's not necessarily the solution. Don't get me wrong. I don't want anybody being bullied. But at the same time, like, if you're not careful, you wind up being as bad, if not worse. Like, yeah. after a while, the motivation behind it goes away and you have only actions. And somebody who starts being, you know, being a jerk to other people um, for whatever reason, like, people just see the jerk, jerk or yeah. the uh you know monster or yeah. whatever which um yeah well what i uh, i completely agree with all that stuff that's a big part of the reason why it's in my top 10 but i also like that um you know there's uh, i guess so much coddling in kids movies you know like making <laughs> yeah. safe stuff and paranorman is uh way more like it's uh, it's as macabre as it should be uh-huh. where you'd mm-hmm. think they would like pull punches a little bit it's actually like really dark like there's a part where he's wrestling um a book out of the hands of a corpse that's gone into rigor mortis oh it's like so it becomes this big like slapstick scene but it's a kid and a dead body he's like slamming the corpse's like head against the wall and it's uh i I was like 
just had a big grin on my face. Like, I'm so glad this exists. It reminded me a lot, both in theme and in uh, tone, of Monster House from a few years ago. Huh. Which I didn't see. Oh, I think I have it. I think you'd love it if you liked uh, Paranorman. I think you'd like it a lot, especially because its willingness to be genuinely scary. Mm. Um, I saw it in the, in the theater, it's, and I wasn't necessarily scared, but I was like, man. If I took my nephew to see this at the time, like he'd hate me. He'd be very upset with me for taking him to see such so scary a film. And I feel like it's the two are they make for a good. Uh, part of me is like when I do the more than one lesson about it, it's like I compare it with Monster House, but it's almost the same movie, and I feel like I shouldn't do that. That's right. like cheating somehow. Um, but they do make for a good uh, a good pair. Well, it's from Paranormal's from the same people who made Coraline, which is mm-hmm. amazing. Which I love. Yeah, I love that. And um, that, I, I did take my ne- nephew to see that, actually. And, and he was 10 at the time. Okay. And, uh, I mean, and he, he, he didn't get scared, but there was a couple times where he was like, oh, whoa, you know. Yeah, I, I got scared watching Coraline. <laughs> yeah, a it's, a scary, scary it's a scary movie. Um, did you see Frankenweenie? Uh, I Paranorman haven't seen Light? that. <laughs> I still have yeah. not watched that. It's it's quite good. It's just I think, for me personally, it suffered from having come out the same year as Paranorman yeah. because I like that so much more. I, Tim Burton has worn out his welcome for me. Like yeah. I just can't handle his I, stuff anymore, and I love his old stuff. Yeah, I, but I and I think this is a bit of a return to form. Not he's not. I'm not ready to proclaim that Tim Burton is back, but this is. In yeah, the it's right the same direction. year as Dark Shadows. He's not back. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah that. That was a terrible movie. Yeah. I'm so upset with people keep on um, casting Jack Harrell Haley in, in movies that he's great in that movie, but like in just terrible movies because I, I want to see him yeah. in good movies. Did you see Lincoln? He's in that. Oh, he's in Lincoln. Yeah, I love Lincoln. Yeah. I, Everyone's in Lincoln. Like, it, it became part of the. I only watched it just two nights ago. And it became part of the joy for me. Is like around the corner. What next? Like, what's who's the next? Like what, male character actor? James Spader. Yeah, yeah, is amazing and looks like a completely different person. Yeah. I didn't recognize him at yeah. first. And then Jared Harris shows up as Ulysses S. Grant. I didn't. Oh, like, yeah. I didn't know that was coming. I'm excited because, uh, well, for a number of reasons, not the least of which is this. Uh, so I will sometimes. It's been a while since I've done it, but I, I will sometimes play. A game that has been called a number of different things, but it's it's basically I've heard it called the Vault Game, and it's but it's uh, basically like the the Kevin Bacon game, but not with Kevin Bacon, just any two oh, actors. Okay. Right. And uh, when you do when you play that game, there are maybe like there are like six or seven movies that will get you anywhere you need to go. <laughs> uh, you got your shortcuts. Uh-huh. You got your uh, few good men, uh-huh. and then JFK, JFK is a huge one. Yeah, and it sounds like old Lincoln's gonna, gonna <laughs> oh, work yeah. its way in there because that's where you get like. Oh, you got uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. All right, <laughs> yeah, that's because yeah. ge- you look for those generational connectors. Yeah, JFK is a, like it's like I've seen it a number of times, and it's weird yeah. sometimes to look back and go like, oh right, like that person is yeah. like John Candy. John is in Candy, that movie. yeah, um, he is. Yeah, he's yeah. great. Oh, well, I haven't seen that in a long time. Um, if you get the director's cut, John LaRoquette is in it. Am I right? Yes, he is. is Am that I right? Director's cut. I thought he was in. I thought he was in the the theatrical as well. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, he's in it. He plays a, a like a talk show host. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's only in the director's cut. Oh shoot! Uh, but I can't remember. Anyway, um, let's get back to the year in comedies. Oh, well, okay. sorry. Here's one that I don't know. Luckily, we haven't just been talking about straightforward comedies. Um, did you see at Sundance or since Room Two Thirty Seven? I haven't seen it. No, I haven't been able to find it. I finally um, got to watch it just the other night because uh, IFC sent 
um, online screener, so I got to watch it online, and it's uh, really, really good. We we had Rodney Asher on the podcast, and like the idea was that he was gonna give us screeners. We watched it beforehand, and then IFC like it was like right at the time that IFC acquired it, and then so we couldn't get his screeners. So we had him on the show with neither of us having seen the film. I really want to have him back now because it's. it's everything that I thought it was, like really this interesting like look at The Shining and all these people's different like conspiracy theories uh, about The Shining. But it's like it's so much more because it's really funny, but it also is like I wouldn't call it a horror film, but it's really creepy. Like oh, I wow. actually felt like uh kind of watching I, I kind of felt like I do when I watch The Shining. Like, yeah. it, it it got under my skin. Like I watched it at night and uh you know finished watching it and then like took my 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 dog out to like the front yard of our apartment building and like stand there in the dark like one o'clock in the morning like looking over my shoulder because <laughs> i just had this weird like creepy feeling that something so a documentary about a horror movie that's enough for you uh, yeah but it's <laughs> the way he puts it together is uh just eerie i don't doubt it i mean that i think he did that visions of terror thing did you ever see that i, never, with, I, have, with the, I have it at home but it's, i haven't watched it it's put together in a genuinely creepy way, and then our, you know, good friend Josh Fatem delivers a surprisingly creepy performance. And then it's just like, I recognize this as someone I know socially, but this is a little creepy and uh-huh. hilarious at the same time. Um, like, but it's yeah, Room Two Thirty Seven is really funny, and part partially because he treats everyone's interpretation completely equal, even though like some of them, like there's actually sort of. You actually go, oh, I, I kind of see that. Like, there's clearly something going on there. Uh, but then like, there's one guy who, like, talks about if you freeze the frame, like, when Jack Nicholson meets uh, the, the you know, the manager, the hotel manager, yeah. when he comes to meet an interview for the job or whatever, if you freeze the frame, the guy's standing in such a way that, like, the... Uh, um, what, do you, what would you call it? Like the file on his desk mm-hmm. makes it look like he has this huge gold hard on sticking out of his <laughs> pants. And like you ha- we would have to freeze it just at that moment for it to happen. But this guy is talking about it like this is clearly an intentional thing on Stanley Kubrick's, uh, <laughs> Stanley Kubrick's part. And Rodney Asher treats that with, with just as much seriousness as the, as the more provable stuff. Yeah. I don't mean to be dismissive of any theory, but <laughs> I venture to say that if that is your theory, you are looking for hard ons yeah. everywhere. <laughs> That's like, you ever watch, uh, like the people that believe that everyone is a lizard person or everyone that is in power is a lizard uh-huh. person. And uh-huh. you can like, look up like any, any political person or celebrity is a lizard on YouTube. And they'll be like, uh, it, you know, a video of them talking of that person talking. And then like the, crazy person who makes a video for you know does a freeze frame uh-huh. and like you know, it's just where like the the tv was off or something uh-huh. and it's like they're a lizard like you can see it in the <laughs> eyes look they're a lizard <laughs> or i've seen some where the people actually ma- clearly have manipulated it themselves uh-huh. like they're a lizard like or just or just someone says like shh and like see that hiss <laughs> 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 they're a lizard and it's just so weird how like literally anyone is is a lizard possibly. so the minute yeah. you get famous you're a, yeah, you're that, a lizard. Then you've always been a lizard, and it was a matter of time before you became famous. <laughs> yeah, it's right. you know, a li- and lizards are you know from the Illuminati. Like the Illuminati is all lizard yeah, people, yeah. and they. Did you? Uh, I used to. I watched the first like eight seasons of CSI uh, religiously, um, and there was an episode where the great Julie Haggerty uh, from from Airplane and mm-hmm. uh, from last week's Happy Endings and a bunch of stuff um, played a person who believes that yeah. and is like paranoid and they did some awesome effects like inside her 
her mind where you see like the 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 cop who's interrogating her like takes a drink of water and suddenly this like lizard tongue sti- like <laughs> sticks out into the water glass it was really oh, it's a really awesome. awesome episode that sounds uh, great and julie yeah I, I will watch anything with julie Haggard oh yeah she's, she's awesome uh what else what else have you seen we don't um, have to stick to comedy that was just an idea oh gosh um actually of comedies i think a really really underrated movie in the last year was uh wanderlust which i, I didn't really it. liked i thought it was really funny and it's so weird because i saw it at the los Feliz three and um and in the theater there were a lot of like other comedy people and stuff um like people i know from comedy and everyone i talked to there was like that was so funny like everyone laughed so much it's really funny and then after that everything i've and that was like opening night you know uh-huh. like just the reviews have been terrible every other person i've talked to that's seen it other than the people in the theater that night that i saw it has been like horrible awful yeah. movie hate that movie hmm. so i don't know what it maybe i saw a completely different movie but <laughs> i i loved it and i thought it, a lot of it was really laugh out loud funny uh yeah i should see uh, my my girlfriend is one of the people who didn't didn't care for it a lot of that's people like didn't care for it yeah. but i thought it was great and uh Alan Alda's in it, and he's always good. he's like great, him. and yeah. Hmm. Uh, so I'm gonna l- talk about two comedies. Okay, I'm gonna try and stick to comedies because this thing that you arbitrarily just put on us now. <laughs> um, no, it seemed to develop, and then I commented on it. Right? Okay, fair enough. So if you hadn't commented on it, we would have talked about comedies from here to next week. So. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed 21 Jump Street, much to my surprise. Oh, yeah, that was great. Uh, I thought there are very genuine laughs there. And, you know, it's weird. As as I get older and I watch more movies and television shows and stuff like that, I do find certain certain things that I'll see in a movie or a TV show, and something within me will just sort of leap uh, for joy. And I don't know – and you just notice in the same way that you – noticed uh, a theme running through this episode it's just uh-huh. sort of the way it, it happened um and one of the things that i really enjoy is and this is less a function of uh, 21 jump street but i'll get to that i'll get there i really enjoy people that are really good at their jobs uh and and specifically when that involves working with somebody else who's also good at their job, like a certain degree of teamwork. Uh-huh. Um, like there was a, an episode of The Office from several years ago where uh, Jim and Dwight work together and they don't seem to be working together, but then you realize, oh, they're just r- damn good salesmen. And even though they don't like each other in real life, they can turn this on uh-huh. and make their sale. And I remember loving that. But the other thing that I like is a certain type of friendship depicted that is not unlike friendships that I've had where uh, there's in, in Robert Altman's MASH, there's a scene where uh, I think Elliot Gould says to Donald Sutherland, like, hey, I have to go to, I think, I think Japan or Tokyo or something like that. I don't recall. He's like, hey, I have to go there. You want to go? And Donald Sutherland just, there is no pause. He just goes, yeah. And just, it's that kind of thing. Like the question didn't need to be yeah. asked uh-huh. because it was assumed. Um, and I enjoy that sort of thing. And in 21 Jump Street, there is that a number of times. And I love that these guys are actually friends in the movie because they wouldn't seem to be. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, like, yeah, you can only like you can let high school define you if you want to, as I often have. Um, <laughs> or you can move on and recognize, like, OK, we may not have liked each other in the past, but now we can be friends. But the type of friends they are where they 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 have to uh, stage a party. <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, where are we gonna get? Where are we gonna get alcohol?" 
<laughs> and they both start laughing at the same time because they both they're 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 close enough friends that they know the joke they're making yeah. and uh and then it and they're like oh we're we're gonna need like some drugs or something where are we gonna get drugs <laughs> and then it cuts to them doing something very illegal yeah. um, but uh so stuff like that is why it's not it wasn't merely the last but it was also this kind of this interesting relational thing between the two of them and i i enjoyed it quite a bit like more so than i ever thought i was going to uh i uh different uh, i saw 21 jump street i didn't like it that much but do you ever like not like a movie and then the second time you watch it because you already are resigned to the stuff you don't like about it you end up just liking it more yeah uh, yeah when i first saw 21 jump street i didn't like how um uh, unstructured it was and it felt like it was leaning too heavily on improvisation and that mm-hmm. that, that added to the lack of structure and then I um, when it came out on like Blu-ray or whatever my, my girlfriend got it from Netflix or something and I watched it uh, again with her and I just just laughed the whole time mm-hmm. especially the uh, uh, the box of doves <laughs> that's my favorite <laughs> thing when they get when they get to prom because oh, yes. like Channing Tatum had this whole idea of like doves flying out as he gets out and so the limo door opens and these doves come out and then he steps out holding a box that says that is labeled doves that has doves flying out of it that's that's great but as far as those directors i don't i don't think that movie's as funny as cloudy with a chance of meatballs which was yeah uh, i don't know did you see i cloudy? haven't seen that no that one's awesome but you enjoy 21 jump street yeah and i didn't think that i would actually i mean i, I, I you know i don't think i'd ever seen anything with channing tatum in it like like before seeing that but I had just kind of decided that I didn't like him, like just based on like the kind of movies he is, which are like the the posters of like a a guy and a girl like almost kissing or whatever, you know. <laughs> like I was like, oh, I don't like that guy. And then uh, I don't know, like I have the same problem with a lot of comedies um, that they rely too heavily on improv. Yeah. And I I am so refreshed when something actually does have a script. But I, so I went into it with low expectations, and then really enjoyed it. I was really impressed by Channing Tatum's performance. And then I thought, like, well, now I really like him. And then I saw Magic Mike, and I was like, nah, I don't really like him that much. Like he's, <laughs> but he's really good in 21 Jump Street. Um, and I thought just how self-referential referential they are, like, when they, you know, talk about, like, oh, it was a, it was a program that didn't work in the 80s, and, like, we're going to do it again. Uh-huh. Like, how many jokes, like, to what they were doing, like, they yeah. made was so great. And Nick Offerman's, uh, uh, what did we report? Down on Jump Street. Yeah. 37 jumps. <laughs> Wait, no, that's not right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and Nick Offerman is, uh, I mean, he's yeah. great in everything. And uh, who's the guy um, from New Girl who played the principal of the of the school? Oh, I don't remember his name, but I liked him quite a bit. Yeah. Because yeah. he was just so, like, like, exhausted by his job. Uh, and he's like, uh, whatever their names are, he's like, which one's which? And they're like, uh, and he's like, okay, let me ask you again to pretend you're not weird. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's one of the things that I do like about that movie is, is, how many side characters are allowed to be genuinely funny yeah. in their moments? Because he's he doesn't play a big role really. After he's in like one, maybe another scene after that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and I liked Ice Cube as well. Just uh-huh. his whole thing of just like, just, just so tired of everybody's <laughs> bullshit. And he just and I won't do it now because the mics are on the table. But they're just they're like, oh, we could do this. And he's like. You know, infiltrate the gang, find the supplier, and like, well, we could do this, and he just slams his, his <laughs> yeah. hand on the desk. Like, infiltrate the gang, find the supplier. He says it like four times because they don't, they're not listening. And uh, I, I, I forgot how much I can like Ice Cube in the right role. I loved, I loved him in Three Kings. Oh and, yeah. Uh, 
and of course Anaconda. Um, <laughs> being sarcastic there, but uh, but yeah, he. I think he's just uh, barbershop. That's a good one. Yeah, he's yeah, really good in that. And I liked him in Friday. Uh, Friday. Yeah, yeah. Just like if yeah. you if you get him in the right role, I did not see. Uh, are we there yet? That's him, right? Yeah, that's I didn't, and, I didn't see or that. are we done yet? Oh yeah, done the, yeah. That's the other. I've never seen it. And then there's a, there's an are, are we there yet? TV series, oh. which doesn't star Ice Cube, though. No, but didn't he? He produces yeah. it, and then didn't he? I feel like I know this. Like he was on an episode as like a different character than the character that's based on him. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. That's don't unfortunate, but he is very good in Twenty One Jump Street. So, um, and I wanted, I wanted to. Let's see. By the time this airs, yeah, sure. What the hell? Um, I wanted to talk about because I can't stop talking about it. A movie. That is currently my least favorite movie of the year, and it is ostensibly a comedy, um, and it is called Struck by Lightning, and it based is based on a novel by Chris Colfer, who plays Kurt on Glee. Right? It's based on it's, it's, he wrote the script. I don't know if it's based on a novel by him. Well, there's a novel. Maybe maybe he also wrote the novelization of the movie. That's entirely possible. Anyway, yeah, he wrote both the script and the book. Yeah. I don't know which came first. It is pretty much the uh, the Chris Colfer show, as far as I can tell, and uh, someone should have stopped him uh, because. Boy, oh boy, that thing is just a horrendous piece of shit that made me angry. And it's the kind of thing where it's the kind of comedy where like, ah, ha, ha, what we're saying and what we're doing is so funny. It's like you're making yourself laugh at the world's expense. Like everybody is dumb but you. And it is just awful. It's basically it's, it's basically Orange County. Did you see Orange County? I uh, like that yeah. movie a lot. Yeah. In which this funny. guy... Is, with Jack Black. is yeah with Jack, yeah. yeah and Colin Hanks and he's yeah great. and Colin Hanks so oh, he's yeah. ba- so Hanks. Chris Colfer basically <laughs> plays the Colin Hanks character who feels that he's a little bit better than where he is from and he wants to escape it uh, but uh, things keep uh, kind of getting in his way the difference is that over the course of Orange County he comes to realize well no I'm not better than the place I'm from the place right. I'm from is a part of me and I'm not better than my family they're part of me too mm-hmm. like. Maybe maybe I shouldn't be so haughty in my attitude. The arc of uh, Chris Colfer's character in Struck by Lightning is I am better. Uh, he starts out saying I am better than everybody around me. They are all a bunch of future farmers and, in, and inmates. That's how he addresses everybody in his school. Uh, and because he's uh, he's from a you know a small town in the Midwest and. Uh, and he's better than his family and he's just – and everybody's just – it's like, you know, for those – it's like I don't think any of you can read. But for those that want to – but for those that can, if you want to contribute to my literary magazine. So like that's who he is. Uh, and then at the end of the movie, the arc is that he dies. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds – I'm on board. It sounds like he's an asshole and he gets what's coming to him. No question about it. Uh, I do not tend to think of uh, God as vindictive, but every once in a while, it's just like, he's like, okay, this is insufferable. I've let genocides happen. And this guy needs to go. Um, but it's just, it's just, but it, it has that vibe of, of him being, and I don't like to use this term, but it, it pops up from time to time. Uh, you get the vibe of like, this guy's just too pure for this world. It has uh, that quality to it. Uh, it's the same guy that directed Saved, so it has that kind of smug uh, quality to okay. it as well. Oof. There are two good performances in it. Uh, Allison Janney plays his, uh, Chris Colfer's mother, and she's way too good for this movie. And then Rebel Wilson plays a friend of his, and she's great too. Um, but the rest of it is just, man, oh man, I just wanted, I just, I, I want to scream from the rooftops how angry this movie made me. And uh, boy, oh boy. Well, a couple things. Uh, um, my current 
least favorite movie of the year is the aforementioned Celeste and Jesse Forever. Mm-hmm. Uh. Um, but uh, Rebel Wilson, speaking of comedies, uh, people seem to like Pitch Perfect. I did not like it. Did you guys uh, see it? I, I didn't see it, but I watched the trailer a couple of times and was like, is this a real movie? <laughs> and I cracked up the whole time. Like that, They made that. It looked like a parody to me. Like they were parodying. Yeah. And, but I just couldn't get the tone of it. Even within the trailer, it's like, wait, is this a parody? They... There's a lot of parody type elements right. in it, but they seem to be taking it seriously. So now I don't know what it is. And with that cast, it could be a parody. Yeah, but it isn't apparently. No, well, know. it's like it's like the problem I've always had with Bring It On, a movie that's like 11 years old at this point, is the same thing. It doesn't Bring It On is not sure if it's celebrating cheerleading or making fun of it at any given point. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I'd watch Bring It On two more times before I'd watch Pitch Perfect again. I like do that. You like, do you like Bring It On? Uh, Bring It On is okay. You know what? A, a movie that I that I do really like that I always uh, think of when I think of Bring It On is Traffic. Uh, tra- yeah, <laughs> no, I don't like the movie Traffic actually at all. But uh, uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous. Um, yeah. Yeah. From from what? Like two thousand maybe? The 90s yeah. Maybe? Yeah. I like um, that movie. No, it's from ninety nine actually. Ninety nine. Um, yeah. I uh, that movie Drop Dead Gorgeous feels like I'm watching an hour and a half of a sketch comedy troupe and some of the sketches are very good and, and some, some of them aren't. them aren't and uh it's a very uneven movie for me i guess i mean i i actually hadn't seen it in a while and um and sort of forced matt to watch it and he was like oh this is terrible but i was like it's great and it's like all it's like this wonderful ensemble cast of women and it's because like, there's mm-hmm. very few comedies that are you know mostly women obviously like bridesmaids was such a big deal because it was and it yeah. was you know a great movie but I thought, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. And I'm not a, a Kirsten Dunst fan at all, but I thought mm. she was really funny in that. And she's really funny in Dick, too. With Michelle yeah, Williams. that's a great movie. She's great that. in that. Same year. Um, but also, uh, Kirstie Alley, who I, um, is in Dr. Gorgeous. Yeah, she is, yeah. And, she and I, I've always really liked her. And I, I'd recently, or it took me a while, but I recently completed rewatching uh, or watching all of Cheers in order. It took me a, a long oh, time. so good. Uh, and... Even though I don't like the character of Rebecca very much, like I love Kirstie Alley's performance. I think she's really great, and I think it's unfortunate that she's sort of been—I don't know what you would call whatever's happened to her culturally—but she's been sort of dismissed. Yeah, uh, she, I think she's a really talented comedic actress. Yeah. Like, um, uh, you know, her her work on Cheers like almost like reminds me of like an updated Lucille Ball, like uh-huh. just because she's very like silly in a show that that isn't that silly like it's a sitcom it's clearly a sitcom but she's like often over the top and kind of obnoxious but i really like the way that that she does it but yeah i mean i think i think so much of just her 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 weight and her being Mm -hmm. a scientologist and like that has played so much into like her public perception and it's a shame because she's really funny and her it's interesting uh i hadn't thought of the lucille ball thing but i think that's actually a pretty good comparison um but uh, but I because I've only seen a little bit of Cheers, but I've seen oddly enough, I, oddly enough, I think I've seen more Cheers with her in it than uh, Shelley Long. Yeah. Well, there is more. The, yeah. Oh, is there? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Shelley Long left after season five, and there's six seasons with Rebecca. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it, it uh, Kirstie Alley is kind of an unconventional actress. Like when you think of like her voice, for mm-hmm. example, like that's not the voice of like a lead. In a in a, a female lead in a in a 
mainstream television right. you know network comedy um but she managed to make it work and but she was still one part of a larger mm-hmm. cast and so i think once that cast goes away i think people don't see her that way whereas Lu- lucille ball it was always about her yeah. and everybody else was supporting her and so that's why i think she was able to continue being her whereas kirstie alley had to be in you know for richer or poorer and that kind of thing yeah i, so. I don't I don't know. What is Farisha Report? It's where she and Tim Allen have to go undercover as, uh, like, Amish people. Oh, yeah. What year is that? It's like 95, 96. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, I I recently saw bits of that, and I wasn't aware of it, and it was on on some channel late at night, and I was like, that was one of those movies where I was like, they made this? This is... (laughs) Yeah, Tim Allen, I'm not a fan of his. Yeah, me always. It's just never very... I don't know. I remember liking his stand-up. Everything except the little grunting thing. I remember thinking his stand-up was actually pretty good. Um, and I liked a lot of what he did on Home Improvement. Even if, I, Again, even if I didn't like the show in general, right. I liked a lot of what he did. And last year, or two years ago, I think, I rewatched The Santa Claus. Solid. <laughs> really? It's a solid movie, and he's very funny in it. And then I, I always liked his work as Buzz Lightyear. And, uh, oh, yeah. That's the thing I like. I, I like Tim yeah. Allen in Toy Story movies. Yeah, he really gets that character and knows how to play him. Um, but uh, I don't think I... We, uh, liked I, him in, I, we liked him in Red Belt, but we hate that movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's supposed to be a bad guy, so it's easy to... If yeah. you already dislike him. Right. I'm trying to think... I don't, yeah, I don't think I agree. With, I don't, I'm not a fan of Home Improvement or of his stand-up. Uh, I don't know. I, yeah. I'm with you. He doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't hate him or anything. I mean, well, I don't hate any any actor. <laughs> but, oh. um, hmm. There's got to be someone I hate. <laughs> uh, and I bet there's someone you hate. Come on now. I understand. I don't like, know. We, we we're free to say who we hate and who we don't. But uh, who's the worst? Um, who is the worst? <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think if pressed, I could say I hate anybody. Even in yeah. the days when I didn't like John Voight, I don't think I hated him. Um, but uh, yeah, I think. Uh, but if you know something about like like a Mel Gibson type thing, it's easier to. Oh, I, yeah, someone. I guess I'm I'm thinking more in terms of like oh, the way they like their artistic choices. And, and stuff. I really, I mean, I think that's what is always a bummer about Mel Gibson is I really like his work and I like his work as a director a lot. Oh, but, you were on the right show. We we talk about yeah, that. I mean, but yeah, but he's it's just such a shame that like he's crazy and you know really seems to have a problem with Jews like that's just <laughs> yeah. it's it's yeah. so weird like yeah. that that that's real you know it's oh can I really quick oh, before we move on um, room 237 R- Rodney Asher uses obviously footage from The Shining footage from other Stanley Kubrick movies and just footage from all kinds of other movies including Apocalypto at one point oh really that's a great yeah. movie yeah, I really I like Apocalypto. that movie I'm shocked that room 237 is getting like a release like there is a chance yeah I'm not sure wasn't. what the loophole is that they're exploiting because the, yeah. there's so much footage. But like if Los Angeles plays itself can't get released, yeah. but Room 237 can, like, I don't know what's going on. Good yeah. good lawyers, I guess. Well, you, you were, I interrupted you. You were saying something about... Oh, nothing. I was, I was going to talk about... Uh, I became very fascinated by with, with politics this last year, what with the election and that sort of thing. And, uh, and it is fascinating and when now you you're... Hear, I kind of removed myself from it to a certain extent. <laughs> until, now until 2016, you're done. No, 2015 because I love primary season, because uh, it's a fun. It's just a fun game, but um, with admittedly high stakes. But uh, but it is weird when you see 
Like the like the like anti semitism, which is a it's a very real thing. I don't right. mean to say that it isn't. It is but you weird. Anti semitism is so weird. It is really weird. Very much, and it's kind of strange. And so I so every once in a while, like, and while while you know, like with like Tea Party rallies, sometimes you would find racism there, and Occupy Wall Street, you'd find some because the Jews run the banks. Hey man, and right, so you right. run across some of that, and you're like, oh, you said that to a camera. Yeah, <laughs> like you really believe this? Like that's really. Astounding to me, and a lot of the lizard theorists do. <laughs> no, seriously, do believe that that lizard is symbolic for Jew. Oh like my. there's there's a lot of anti-Semitism in that. Boy, oh um, boy. My I don't know. Favorite is the word, but the the weird racism that always gets to me is like the. Okay, where I'm from in St. Louis, no one's racist against Armenians because there's like a dozen of them. Mm-hmm. But you come right. here and there's people, there's like stereotypes about oh, Armenians. Yeah. And it, the, the opposite is true. You don't hear people talk shit about Bosnians out here, but there's a huge Bosnian population in St. Louis. Really? So it's And it's weirdly a lot of the same like uh, ideas that like uh, the way that people talk about uh, Armenians out here as being like the West Coast version of like the Guido and, uh-huh. and stuff like that. That's kind of the what the Bosnians, I guess, uh, get in St. Louis. Weird. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure every, like, pocket has their own. Well, look, there's only one solution to this. Get out of my country. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. But, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to take us down that path, but it is weird when you run across, like, with Mel Gibson, that is, like, a very high-profile version of it, but there are people out there who just, like, I don't know, like, any kind of, like, ism is just, like, really? Like, and you run across it, We'll, we'll bring it back to comedy a little bit, like, there have been a couple of like slightly higher profile people who who keep bringing up like the women aren't funny thing. Right. It's yeah. Like, how is this still a thing? Like. Yeah. Jerry Lewis, he's from another generation. I won't for I don't necessarily forgive it, but I I get it yeah. a little bit. But like you know, like an Adam Carolla or something like that, and she's like, it's tw- it's almost 2013, and there are obviously a lot of funny women. So right. how how are you? What are you hinging that on? It's fascinating to me. Well, personally, I don't believe that Adam Carolla believes 80% of what he says. I, I think he's pandering. I think he understands what his audience is, and so he uh, says right. shit to them. He's like, but the, okay, well, then I will I will take my incredulity, and I will transfer it to his audience then. Like, <laughs> someone believes that out there, and I don't know. What were you going to say? Sorry. I, cut I you mean, off. it is a weird thing. I mean, I think that there's certainly different types of comedy, and when Adam Carolla said, like, women aren't funny, it's like, well, as a female comedian, like, I don't personally think Adam Carolla's funny. Like, he doesn't make me <laughs> laugh, but he, I know people who do think he's funny, and he mm-hmm. makes... so. It's quite a blanket statement. I'm not going to say, like, Adam Carolla's aren't funny, because, like, just because they're not funny to me doesn't right. mean that... Mm-hmm. And, like, just, like, yeah, there's all kinds of different, you know, yeah. types of, of humor. And, like, yeah. they're, they're... And all different types of Adam Carolla's. Yeah, and all different types <laughs> of women, too. That's another right. thing, yeah. like, that, that, that's that been a weird, like, even, like, pro-female comedy. You know, no, not all women are funny, but women are funny. It's like That's right. like saying all men are funny. Like, yeah. And there has been a lot of movies with a female cast in the last year where there has been a mean selfish speech at a wedding and i think that everyone needs to stop writing movies about women with mean selfish speeches at weddings are we talking about celeste and jesse forever celeste again and jesse forever um There's, the bachelorette I, bachelorette yeah mm-hmm. um i think it was on an episode of the mindy kaling show oh which has, that was the the pilot the yeah mindy yeah show. um <laughs> and and i was like that that sort of occurs in bridesmaids but that like had a reason to be there um but in bachelorette and 
slash and Jesse forever. It's just like you're a horrible friend. Why yeah. would you do that at your friend's wedding? Make it about yourself. You're yeah. so mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been to a lot of weddings. You don't run across that many. You'll get maybe like an awkward speech from an uncle, but you don't run across like a lot of like confessional speeches yeah. where someone finally says something. Like, well, it's, it's not, not about you. It's you're at a wedding. Like you're supposed to talk about the people getting married. Yeah. Like why would you make it about <laughs> you? Um, we got to wrap up. But speaking of Celeste and Jersey Forever and that wedding, um, I'm forgetting the uh, Ari Grainer. Is that her name? Um, I don't know. Who plays the Rashida Jones' best friend? Oh, um, I don't know. Well, she's great. She's great in that, even though I don't like the movie. Um, she was great in uh, a Channing Tatum movie this year called Ten Years. I don't know if you mm-hmm. saw That's that. It. It's about a ten-year high school reunion. And then I really wanted to see, but missed. And I'm wondering if you saw uh, For a Good Time Call. Did Did you see that movie? Uh no, I did not. Yeah, you didn't either. No. So it looks really, it, it, basically it's Ari Grainer and her roommate. Right. Like they live together, they don't like each other, but then they start like a their own phone sex line out of their apartment. Yeah, the premise kind of <laughs> lost. Like I, I didn't see it because I, I saw a trailer and was like, I, oh boy. <laughs> well, I want to see it because I've I've liked her so yeah. much uh, this year in the in the thing she's been in. She's good, and I actually I didn't hate Celeste and Jesse forever. Um, I, I I I think all the performances are great in it like i i I just didn't think it was as good as a lot of people did like i think that you know it's not it's certainly not the best romantic comedy Mm. um of the year i think the best romantic comedy of the year is hope springs i like that a lot i really like that but i really wanted to because it it speaks to what i was talking about is the idea of like people have been married a long time at this point they're not you're not going to throw your spouse in any like curveball right. or anything like that unless you like say like I've I was gay the whole time or something right. like that. Um and so it's so it's like, well what do you do to sort of keep things new and fresh and especially when you are in your sixties or something like that. And uh, so I didn't see it but and I remember like reading about it, I'm like, this could go either <laughs> way. This could be that it's complicated, which I hated. Uh-huh. Or it could be this other thing, and uh, and it sounded like it was the other thing, which I was super excited about. Yeah. And uh, it, I think it's on. I think it just came out on DVD as a, okay. the, the recording, so I do want to see it, and I think I will. Enjoy and it's it. Steve Carell, uh, uh, Steve Carell, you haven't seen before, uh, I think. It's I'm excited great about performance that. from him. I, I I went and saw it at the like the three dollar movie theater in Pasadena. Uh-huh. Um, and, the Academy Six. Yeah, the Academy Six. And I actually, I realized like, oh, maybe I am like becoming like a middle-aged woman. Because when, when Steve Carell was on the book sleeve, when she like buys the self-help book and he's the author, I was like, oh, I hope he's in this. Like, <laughs> at that moment. <laughs> and then he was and like, and I realized like, wow, I really like that movie. Like, I, I kind of went like half as a joke and I was like, this is great. Yeah, it's really it. good. I will say there's... One scene with Elizabeth Shue, which feels like it takes place in a completely different movie that I didn't like. I don't know. Uh, Elizabeth Shue was the bartender. Oh, right, yeah. And, like, they've had a fight, and so Meryl Streep goes off on herself. She goes to have a, have a drink, and suddenly it feels like you're in, like, Mystic Pizza or some, like, cheesy small-town yeah. uh, movie in that one scene. It really, really felt out of place to me. Other than that, I really like the movie. Now, real quick, because we're talking about comedies, I want to complain about another one. Um, because uh, some people love this movie, and Susan, you might be one of them. I don't know. David and I don't care for it. Uh, the uh, so struck by lightning is now the my least favorite. <laughs> Taking the place of, and this is something that I notice every year when I when I rank, you know, the movies that I've seen. 
like last is almost always a comedy that doesn't work. Like it's very or yeah. it's very strange because I can't think of. I mean, there are things I can think of that are worse than that. But like a drama that doesn't work, at least like you can actually like laugh as, at that yeah. and enjoy yourself. But like when a comedy doesn't work, you're just sitting there in silence and angry that you've spent money on this and time. Uh-huh. You only have 24 hours in a day, <laughs> and so um, and so. Uh, so my second least favorite movie is one that people love, some people love, and it's uh, God Bless America. Oh, right. Oh, uh, okay. Which I thought was, uh, and yes, okay, some of this is probably because of my, my personal politics, but it's just one of those things where it's just like, this is a hateful, mean movie that seems like it's a satire, but isn't. There, there, you need to be a bit more clever to be a satire. As it is, it just looks like. Bobcat Goldthwaite, who'd made the wonderful World's Greatest Dad. Oh, so great. So wonderful. Uh, he, it just looked like he was just getting stuff off his chest in, like, on camera. And it's just like, that's, that, there's something to be said for that, but, like, you're a long way from Patty Chayefsky. Like, that's actually good satire. And as opposed to just, I don't know. And, and satire tends to be a little equal opportunity. It tends to go after every, like, every little bit of hypocrisy, whereas this was only the people that he like politically disagrees with and, and that sort of thing or just certain trends that he doesn't like and because he doesn't like them then clearly there's nothing good about them and that sort of thing so I, I just I thought it was uh, quite monstrous and it does remind me in a lot of ways of Struck by Lightning you have main characters who basically are who the film sympathizes with but they are actually pretty terrible people and they never have a moment of realization of like oh Oh wow, I'm I'm really a bad guy. As opposed to something like Falling Down, which is a movie I don't love like I used to. But at the very least, you have a guy, the guy who is raging against the hypocrisies of our time, to quote Petty Jayevsky. Um, but at the end, realizes, oh, I'm now contributing to this. I've made things worse. Right. Um, whereas God Bless America is just just a just yeah. a hateful mean. Movie. Well, hopefully he just got it. He got it out of his system. I hope so. I'm putting it down. You, to you that. didn't see it. Um, I did. I did see oh, it. You did. Um, it's a weird thing because I'm a really big uh, Bobcat fan and, yeah. I, and I love World's Greatest Dad and I didn't hate it but it's one of those things where actually like in the light of the, the real world events mm-hmm. of the past you know few weeks and few days like yeah. it's really hard to defend you know just just violent just like real yeah. world violence mm-hmm. um, that being said I did I did like it when I saw it um but yeah, there's things that are just too like I, I I don't think that satire should should go that far, you know, um, as murdering people. I don't <laughs> I, I, like and and just the idea of like people deserve to die, you know. Like I mm-hmm. just disagree with that. Um, mm-hmm. I you know I I like you know the the Mike Judge version of satire a, yeah. a lot more, you know, of just like these people are stupid let's let's look at the way that they act and you know a part of parts of god bless america reminded me of a comic book that i know you've read tyler called johnny the homicidal maniac mm-hmm. i don't know if you've ever huh. read that which uh does some of the a lot of the same things johnny the homicidal maniac um you know flips out and kills people in horribly torturous ways for simple things is like using the word spork which he like he hates the <laughs> uh-huh. word spork but um I think that's a much sharper and much more aware of how wrong Johnny is. Yeah, uh, it calls him a homicidal maniac. In our, I would say most people would say that's a negative. It, yeah, at least yeah. e- even in the title it says, this is what he's doing, and it may be kind of funny at times, but this is not a good thing. We, yeah. we condemn And it this. even specifically makes fun of people who 
uh, takes on the idea of people who might think Johnny is cool. That's right. Because there's the guy uh-huh. who shows up at his house and is like, I've been following you. I know what you do. I want to yeah. join you. And of course, he just gets tortured and killed. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Serial Mom, which... Oh, yeah. That, yeah. yeah, I think great that that's movie. a really great movie. Yeah. And yeah, just a person who, who kills people for ridiculous wearing white after labor day <laughs> yeah. chewing gum like just. and i mean and hot fuzz has some of that as well oh yeah, like, yeah. you know a whole committee of people like there's actually a way to do violence yeah. and especially and somebody like striking out against the things they don't like yeah. in a humorous way but I, it just it just seemed to sort of for me land with a thud with god bless america because it does it does seem to i don't know in some of these in some of these other things there does seem to be and you mentioned like mike judge like I think he very much in like idiocracy and office space and extract. Mm-hmm. I think he uh, condemns certain types of human behavior, but I think underneath is a genuine desire for humanity to be uh-huh. better. Whereas in God Bless America, I see a desire for humanity to be more like Bobcat Goldthwait. Right. Which I saw hot to trot. <laughs> we don't want to be that. Uh, I want to real quick, before we wrap up, mention a couple of my least favorite comedies of the year. Uh, Lola Versus. I don't know if you guys saw that. Didn't see, didn't see it. it. Um, and American Reunion. You guys saw oh, it, see it no. All right. Um, but you saw that for a screening, right? You did not yeah, see that on your yeah. own. That's oh, and I, no, nah, I can't. No, it was, I, the, uh, the joke that I had about that, I've seen the poster, was like, oh, like they're having a 12-year, what, like 13-year yeah, reunion? Yeah, like 13-year reunion. Because at like 10 years, like some of them were still too famous to be in it. <laughs> but now it's like, yeah. oh, none of them are famous we can, anymore. We can make this work. Movie. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, that was that was not good. That was not a fun screening either for reasons I wish I could go into, but it, I probably shouldn't name other critics. By no, name. no, you can you can you can talk about behavior and not give names. I, and I might have talked about this when it came out. Okay, that there was a critic behind me, someone whose work I know and have liked, though often disagreed with, mm-hmm. uh, behind me with a couple of his pals, and um, they talked through the whole movie like just made fun of it uh, out loud the whole movie and it's like no you don't get a pass just because the movie sucks you still have to yeah. observe the rules and just because you're like big internet critic guy and uh people think that you're funnier than you are um uh doesn't mean that you you don't get to decide what movies you know if someone near you was really enjoying american union then you're not funny you're a dick yeah and you're a dick anyway yeah and like don't get me wrong i wanted to scream at the screen when i saw uh struck by lightning but at the same time like that that is forcing whatever i think of the film on everybody else at a time when they're forming their opinion and it's like Mm -hmm. and that's that's really that's quite awful and at the same time it's just like you didn't have to pay to see this all right you're not entitled to anything yeah yeah you didn't have to see it you didn't pay to see it so, like, what are you doing? Yeah. That's assholeish. You're going to tell me afterwards who that is. Oh, that, and you are not going to be surprised. I, you know what? I think I've got it already. <laughs> that, that just made me think of, like, at, at Sundance, like, how many movies we weren't able to, like, get tickets for. And then people just walk out of, like, and, like, walking out of compliance, which I love so much. And, like, mm-hmm. just it just makes me so mad because it's like, why, you know, just why did you go and see it if you're just going to walk out of it? Like, at least sit through the whole thing because there's other people that have waited literally in line for two hours to try to get that ticket that you have and then you're just going to walk out. Yeah, there, there were a couple walkouts of the critic screening I went to. And it's like, it's a critic screening and these people are leaving. It's like, yeah, you can't just walk out of your critic. I mean, you uh, can. I mean, it. some some people do it and they, and they incorporate it into the review. It's like, I couldn't take this or whatever. Like, I walked out because I thought it was too whatever. Um, but I feel like, but like, I saw compliance. I thought it was wonderful. And yes, there's incredibly 
hard to take moments in it, but like, this isn't walkout worthy. Come on. Yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I could understand people that have had, um, you know, traumatic things happen to them walking out of compliance, you know, sure. but, but people, you know, just because they can't handle it, you know, I always understand that, but people like being like, no, you guys are sick for watching this yeah. <laughs> and like leaving, like that's insane. Yeah. Know? And like yeah. it, people who do that are just crazy. And I, I guess th- it's, I think it's a bit of narcissism too, like, like, Watch me walk out of this movie. Like, look oh, at me. Totally. I'm, I'm better than this movie and like making a show of it. Yeah, at least in the critic screening, like they slipped out as if as if they were going to the restroom, and then I just took notice that they did not come back. Yeah, I've, I've so, seen that happen. There's one. I walked out of the Woody, the new Woody Allen movie this year, but it was for the reason that like I was stuck in Santa Monica because I had to like go meet people after a thing, uh-huh. and then I was like, "Well, I'm in Santa Monica." for like an hour and 50 minutes with nothing to do. Uh-huh. And I saw Woody Allen movies playing like, okay, that's a movie that I'll get the gist of. Like it wasn't like I walked out <laughs> because like I hate it. It was just like, I know that I can, you know, I'll spend money on my ticket and I'll watch uh-huh. most of it and then I'll walk out when I have to, when I have to go to my meeting because like that's, that's the only movie I could, that would work to just, it's a Woody Allen movie. They're all kind of the same. Um, it ends on a vaguely positive yet kind of neurotic note, yeah. I would venture to yeah. say. There's funny parts and then there's like really self-indulgent parts right. you know and right. <laughs> the, there's a may december romance or a, maybe a february december romance yeah, at this point <laughs> all right um oh, i want to mention real quick to end on a bit of a more positive note a movie that uh, comedic movie this year that i went in thinking i was going to hate because i hated the director's last film and ended up mostly liking and that's ruby sparks i don't know mm. if you guys saw oh, it. i didn't, I didn't see, see it, it. Um, what did it what was the last thing he did it's um, Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris who did Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, oh, yes. Which I don't like at all. Nor do I. Um, you? Uh, you know, I didn't hate Little Miss Sunshine, but I didn't like it. You know, I mean, I, I, I didn't love it. I liked it. It was fine. There was stuff that I responded to in it, but I think it's, it, I don't like to be this person, but sometimes I am where just like the more accolades it gets, the more, the more yeah. I go the other way. It's just like, not to be contrarian, but just to be like, come on. Like, seriously. For example, this year... Oddly enough, another Alan Arkin thing. Alan Arkin is very good in Argo. Yeah. He's getting talked about for like a like a supporting actor nomination. It's like, come on. He's very good in right. Argo, but there are better supporting performances. Like, what what is this that you're doing? Right. And that's how I felt with with uh, Little Miss Sunshine and Juno. Like, there are good things about it, but like, it's not this. Right. I, I agree well, with. Where was the good stuff in Juno? <laughs> <laughs> There's some pr- good performances. Okay. Some I thought J.K. Simmons is good. Allison Janney mm-hmm. is good. I think uh, Ellen Page is good. I thought Jennifer Garner. Like, there's some good performances okay. there, and uh, you know, I thought Jennifer Garner was really good in it. Mm-hmm. I really liked her in that. But well, let's um, can't blame them for the script. Not uh, everything can be Twenty One Jump Street, where they're just improvising. All the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Tyler has a place to be, so we should wrap up. Okay. Um, one screener I didn't get this year, Susan is smashed oh you haven't so seen it yet i still yet? haven't seen it oh man uh, i'm sorry to say so oh, what is going on with smashed and what is going on with you in um, the future well i i have written a couple different things that i'm sort of waiting on um oh, we should say for the listeners you co-wrote smash i co-wrote smashed yeah. yeah um and i'm also yeah so i'm working on like a yeah different projects that i can't really talk about because okay. i don't know what's going on with them but uh uh smashed is is doing well um it 
is still in theaters in the U.S. like now because it, it was here and in, in all the big cities for a little while and then sort of opened in smaller towns and stuff. And so now it's kind of out of all the major markets, but it's still opening and like it just opened in like Charlottesville, Virginia mm-hmm. and like Missoula, Montana and stuff, which I was excited to see that it was in Missoula because um, I remember my sister went to college there. And uh-huh. when I was like uh, nine or ten, I saw Fargo at that same movie oh, cool. theater. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. I love that movie theater. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, and it just opened in the UK. So it should be out on DVD in a couple of months. And um, Mary just got nominated for the Independent Spirit for Best Actress and right. a couple of other awards. But I'm not sure, like the Phoenix Film Critics Awards and stuff. So, And the screeners are apparently out to some people. Yeah. But I don't know who, because I've seen different people have told me they had the screeners. But. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't gotten one. Maybe, maybe uh, check. You know, check in the mail. It might. Yeah, it might I, just be sitting in the PO box. I think it might have happened by now. I think All maybe right. Online Film Critics Society doesn't get a uh, doesn't get the uh, the go ahead from. Sony Pictures Classics, but they give me screenings to all kinds of shit, so I'm not going to complain. Yeah, yeah, I I don't have a screener of it. Um, I do <laughs> I do have these posters though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, people will, people will be getting uh, these these posters if they won the uh, um, the prize packages from our donation drive. I don't know, like 28 months ago. Twenty eight months ago, but we we got we had to get all the stuff together, so those will be going out soon. Um, uh, in the meantime, you can find us at battleshippretension.com. You can email us, David at battleshippretension.com, Tyler at battleshippretension.com. Follow me on Twitter at The Pretension. Follow Tyler on Twitter at More Lessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson. That's at morethanonelesson.com. My other podcast is the television wrap up show previously on. That's at previouslyonshow.com. Tyler, you had something you wanted to say? Yes, there are two new episodes. By the time this goes out, there will be two new episodes of More Than One Lesson. Uh, the first one featuring a guy named uh, Reed Lackey, who's one of our new bloggers, but also uh, is the writer of the uh, low-budget Michael Bean-directed The Victim. Cool. And his story uh, being involved in that film is fascinating. If the story is not that Michael Bean is an awesome guy, then I don't want to listen to it. Because I want Michael Bean to be an awesome guy. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, I can't tell you anything. But uh, And then uh, Reed returned for uh, our episode about It's a Wonderful Life, in which we address some of the uh, rather modern complaints about the film, that it is very uh, depressing. And there are depressing yeah, elements of it, but... Uh, yeah, no one's pulling back the curtain on It's a Wonderful Life being depressing. It's about a guy who wants to kill himself. I, but there are people that say that the, the way the film ends, it ends with a guy just... Ba- there are people now who say like the film's all about giving up on your dreams and stuff like that it's like uh, well it could also be about contentment and just kind of being content with the way your life went as opposed to being miserable because it didn't turn out this way but all you've got is this stupid wife and kids or you know whatever and so we 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 address that all right oh that's interesting Susan, where can people find you and your work on the internet? Um, they can go to my website, that's thatsusanburke.com, and follow me uh, on Twitter, at thatsusanburke. All right. So um, thanks again for being here on, on short oh, notice. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so 301. Yeah. We're into the the next 100. So we're still alive. <laughs> the, the, it's, it's December 30th, and we are still alive. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, yeah, fair enough. Oh, sure. wait, that would be really sad if we weren't. And they <laughs> yeah. so no one's going to know. <laughs> <laughs> but no one would be alive. Um, All right. All right. Thanks for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.
This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.